Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you for downloading the Talk Politics podcast. This week, I'm joined for the entire show by Gloria DiPiero, former Labour MP for Ashfield. Talk Radio. Alexis Conran on Talk Radio with The Times and The Sunday Times. Know your times. I'm delighted to say that Miriam Cates, Conservative MP for Peniston and Stocksbridge, joins us on the line. Miriam, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. My question was the fact that we know we have a detailed, for example, discussion of the red phase, the amber phase and the green phase that's in the Sun on Sunday and many other newspapers, the Times as well. Uh, the partial lift uh, of uh, warehouses to be open, hairdressers to reopen, nurseries to reopen. They're moving on to the amber phase of small businesses with up to 50 staff to reopen. These are detailed uh, plans that the government are clearly discussing but instead of actually being upfront and saying look these are the plans that we are drawing up and talking about them and treating as i think nicholas sturgeon uh, talked about treating the population uh, you know as adults and uh, and intelligent adults rather than as children we don't get this information delivered by a government minister we are getting anonymized sources in the sunday press giving all this detail Surely this is not the right way to conduct uh, uh, what is very, very, you know, at a a time like this, information is key. Trusted information is key and it should be coming from government ministers, not anonymous sources in the press. Well, I haven't read all the Sunday papers today, but it won't surprise you that I disagree with Nicola Sturgeon. And I think treating people as adults means being honest about what we do know and what we don't know. And what's clear is that we don't know enough yet to set out detailed strategy of how we're going to unwind these measures. And I think Mm -hmm. um, speculating and saying to people, oh, we might be able to start this up again at this date, or we might be able to open these businesses at this date. Actually, that's very, very damaging, because if the science then shows in a few weeks' time that that's not possible, then you can see that there'll be huge costs to businesses, to people's lives Mm -hmm. in doing that. Okay, you you talk about... Uh, you talk about transparency. Uh, why won't you publish the scientific advice that you have been given? In the New Scientist yesterday, uh, we have been told that all the SAGE advice uh, from Sir Patrick Valance and everybody involved in SAGE, uh, that won't be published until the uh, pandemic is over. You talked about transparency. Publish the science. Let us know what you're making your decisions based upon. Well, I think uh, as far as transparency goes, having daily uh, press updates to the whole nation from the chief scientific advisor, the chief medical officer, bringing out the information that is, you know, as accurate as we have, as up to date as we have, 
to um, answer questions live from journalists who are listening to the public and reflecting at national questions. That, that is transparent. We're publishing all sorts of plans and information as we go along, um, and that will continue to be the case. And, of course, with any rapidly emerging uh, pandemic like this, um, you know, there are questions scientists are, are still asking. And as a scientist myself, I know that there are, is much about this pandemic that we don't know yet. And there's still some questions to be answered. There's still testing ongoing. And those things will become clear, but we have to be realistic. There are lots and lots of things that we don't know yet and that we are following the science as carefully as we can and being as transparent as we can day by day by day. Ian Duncan-Smith, your colleague, doesn't agree with you. He is quoted in today's Mail on Sunday. Stop patronising the public and explain the plans to restart the economy and show that there is life after lockdown. What do you say to him? Well, I, I, um, I've got a great deal of respect for Ian Duncan-Smith. He's, he's uh, you know, very experienced, but I don't agree that we're patronising the public. As I said, I think treating the public as adults is being honest about what we do and don't know, and that's what we're doing. Michael Gove said that the report in the Sunday Times today that one or two things, only one or two, <laughs> are offbeat. <laughs> but I don't want to put a journalist uh, quote to you. I want to put the quote that Professor Anthony Costello made to the Health Select Committee on Thursday. I quote, we were too slow with a number of things. Right. You asked me to respond to that. Well, I think um, this is an unprecedented situation. Internationally, we're facing a huge crisis, a new disease that is incredibly infectious that we knew nothing about uh, until just a few months ago. It is certainly the case that we will look back at this crisis and see things that we did exceptionally well and things that we could have done better. I mean, that is part of the human experience, isn't it? Um, looking at what, observing, reflecting, changing our plans. That is progress. That is how progress happens. So I've no doubt that we will look back and see things we could have done differently. But right now we are focusing on controlling this infection, making sure the NHS has capacity and saving lives. And the general public has responded unbelievably well to that. We've seen that daily in the figures in how transport use has gone down, people are staying at home and infections are starting to drop as a result. That is our focus for now. Of course there will be questions to ask at a later date. And that's right. That's how, that's how we learn as society as population as government but right now the focus is and has to be on saving lives and that is absolutely what yes, we're doing absolutely i agree with you but i would like to ask why the british healthcare trades association which represents almost 500 companies say they had been ready to supply ppe to hospitals for two months but they were only asked to at the start of april we don't need well, we, to wait for an inquiry to find to, to know that that's wrong. They're on the record saying we've been waiting, we've been offering two months. Well, we've had a, an overwhelming response um, from all sorts of British manufacturers and suppliers in this great national effort. We've seen a huge supply of ventilators. Uh, we've seen amazing contributions to building these fantastic Nightingale hospitals. And we're seeing a brilliant response in, uh, in increasing manufacture of PPE and all those things. And the government absolutely is collecting to and responding um, to those offers of help. Talk Radio. Alexis Conran on Talk Radio with The Times and The Sunday Times. Know your times. We're joined on the line by Will Broom, who's the founder of Uber Market. Uh, Will, welcome to the show. Morning. Thank you very much. 
Uh, Will, uh, you've set up uh, Ubermarket. Um, but tell us, tell us what Ubermarket is, and tell us how you, what gave you the idea. Okay, so very simply, it's been a long time in the making, about five years, really. It's it's an app for shopping in store. Um, and the idea came from I was often sent to the store on the way back from work with a great big text message, long list of things to get. And I'd stand there thinking, God, I've got a long list of things. I don't know what half these things are. And I was going from sort of aisle four to aisle one to aisle seven to aisle three, thinking, where are all these things and, and what are these things? So the original idea was just to make your shopping list magically jump into the right order and guide you around the supermarket. So the whole it took away the friction and made it more, uh, you know, more palatable, basically. Uh, but what's happened since then is it's evolved enormously. So really what it is. It's a it's a shopping it's a shopping list app where you can write your list, walk into a store, be guided round, scan things as you go, not touch anything or anyone as you do it. Pop all the things straight in your bag, collect your loyalty points, tells you what allergens and nutritional information are in each product you're scanning, and then at the very end, the absolute key bit is you tap to pay and you walk out without having to go via a self checkout machine. Um, so so that's the, the idea, and it's a it's a huge concept because there are so many variables and nuances built into that that it took many many years to build and, and many millions of pounds to build of course uh, but it's a it's a very very good simple two-tap experience for the shopper that does everything that the shopping journey requires uh, so that's the original idea and that's where we've arrived today uh, and we're now rolling it out to stores which is great and retailers are ringing us left right and center saying oh this is great because it cuts out the touchpad it cuts out the, the trolley handle it cuts out the standing in line and all the rest of it so there is an upside but yes it, it if the store hasn't agreed or doesn't have the live api information for uh, for the stock side of things then it, it will still tell you where the eggs are even if they might have run out in the last 10 minutes so it won't be unless it's absolutely intrinsically plugged in which it can be it won't always be 100 percent up to date with stock but it but it will be with with everything else if you see what I mean so I take your point yeah and one thing that I would really benefit from at the moment is knowing about supermarket queues outside particular stores I'm guessing you can't help me with that well, it's not. We do have a sort of live messaging uh, system in there. So the store manager could absolutely send a message out to all app users saying, look, there's a particularly huge queue at the moment. Of course, it's slightly different with app users because although social distancing is based on the number of people in stores and supermarkets are managing that absolutely beautifully, in my experience, and they've, they've adapted very, very quickly. Uh, the, the slight difference is with an app user, you wouldn't be queuing up for the till. You wouldn't be going to a self-checkout machine. Uh, so actually, it's it's a bit more of an autonomous sort of you're doing your own thing. You've got the till in your hand. So they would probably uh, be able to um, have different measures. For example, you, you might have a store somewhere that says, well, you know, it, it, anyone using the app can come in between these hours and nobody has to stand in a queue or nobody. And as long as people are, are, are you know, um, acknowledging the, the two meter rule, then there's no need for anyone to go particularly near to anyone else because there's no pinch points. Um, but but it's a slightly different dynamic because, of course, you've got lots of traditional shoppers in there. So, yes, you, you could tell shoppers through the app that there is a particularly big queue now or how many people are in the queue and advise, you know, in real time in those terms but it would have to be done manually really because there's no automated way of doing that talk radio alexis conran on talk radio with the times and the sunday times know your times i'm delighted to say that we are joined by shadow business and consumer affairs minister and labor mp for manchester south lucy powell uh lucy thank you for giving us your time no problem um, I don't want to dwell too much on the Sunday Times article, but it is um, the sort of bigger story uh, making the rounds today. Um, 
And again, I don't quite know how useful it is to to look through mistakes that happened a few months ago whilst we're still having to deal with this crisis and 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 the government needs to somehow get us out of this with as uh, as few uh, lives lost as possible but what did you make uh, of um especially the 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 comment that uh, Boris Johnson was not present in those five cobra meetings is it important that he was there or as we heard earlier uh from um our first guest, uh, Miriam Cates, who said, look, as long as uh, someone is there t- handling the COBRA meeting, then we've got competent people in the cabinet. So no problem there. Well, it's probably a, a bit of both, isn't it? I mean, I, I think probably like most people, I found that that that, that Insight um, article pretty extraordinary. Um, now, whether that's the full picture or not, um, time will tell. But I think it's <clears throat> it's been pretty clear that we um, we have reacted too slowly on some of the the key challenges that we that we knew we would face uh, around um, testing, um, around PPE, um, and and also around thinking about the, the care sector and and you know whether this virus would would impregnate the the sort of care home system. And I think you know we have done things well in this country. I mean the the, the capacity that we've increased the NHS by, you know, is, I think, is amongst the best in the world. The New Nightingale hospitals, the way that we've brought back um, retired or or recently, those who've recently left the NHS, the capacity increase in the NHS has been phenomenal. But there have definitely been key areas where we've been, where where we've reacted too slowly and we're still constantly trying to play catch up. And I think, um, you know, a lack of focus early on on some of those key key areas. I think hindsight will show um, <clears throat> that we, you know, we, we we could have we could have got ahead of, of some of those on some of those key key issues. But Lucy, uh, good to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we read quite regularly that UK firms have been clamouring to help supply the NHS for for more than a month, but they they can't get through, or they they not their requests. Um, are not being uh, replied to. Are you hearing that, that we have businesses in this country that want to make uh, PPE, but they can't do it? Yes, we we are hearing that. And and we heard that a a few weeks ago about the ventilator um, call for action that was put out at the same time. It was very hard for, um, for, certainly for SMEs as well. And I think we've heard this in relation to testing too, that... And, you know, again, this is I wouldn't say this is necessarily a political decision, but these are this is just the way the, the, the sort of UK government as a whole sort of tends to work that relies on these very big firms, um, a few big firms to come forward when they make a call around ventilators or testing or now PPE. But actually what they're missing are all the small and medium sized businesses who together um, could could provide um, in total much more than than just a few small businesses alone could and so yeah I think the freeing up of of the patents of the uh, you know of the kind of requirements and specifications for uh, PPE need to be made more widely and and these small and medium sized businesses who could turn their machinery and their skill sets to this endeavour um, need to know they've got an order at the end of it um, you know in order to do that so hopefully now with the appointment of this government czar for PPE but 
you know that that is something I think could have happened a few should have happened a few a few weeks ago. Talk Radio. Alexis Conran on Talk Radio with The Times and The Sunday Times. Know your times. We are also joined on the line uh, by Liberal Democrat spokesperson for health and social care, MP for Twickenham, Munira Wilson. Welcome to the show, Munira, and thank you for giving us your time. No, thank you. Hi there. Uh, now, we had a little uh, exchange uh, on Twitter earlier on uh, this week. I, I was quite shocked to discover that Parliament was still open and uh, ministers were taking questions. And let me let me uh, pretext this with last week was when social hit those daily briefings with Matt Hancock coming forward and saying, look, everybody now will be tested. Uh, old people released from uh, hospitals will be tested before being returned to uh, care homes. That wasn't happening before. PPE will be ramped up for social care workers. Uh, they got a badge uh, equivalent to the NHS badge, a green badge, I believe, to acknowledge how important they are as part of the front line. But then you came along on my Twitter feed and uh, reminded me that you had already brought that up over a month ago uh, in Parliament to Matt Hancock. And you were assured at the time that it was going to be dealt with. That's right. I mean, I and my Liberal Democrat colleagues have been pressing that for Matt Hancock and the government to make sure that they're thinking about and preparing for and protecting the social care sector right there alongside the NHS. I mean, it was really important that obviously there was a focus on NHS capacity and making sure um, uh, that the NHS was properly prepared, although you know that is even on that side of things, it's uh, not proved uh, properly prepared in terms of PPE and testing. But we've been saying for a long time, social care has to be up there. And that's why back on um, the uh, 11th of March, I raised with Matt Hancock uh, about PPE for social care um, and said, you know, will you be making sure that there's PPE getting through to care workers? Um, and, uh, you know, his answer was, was something along the lines of, um, you know, we recognise the importance of protective equipment and, of course, we are taking that into account. So on the 11th of March, he said, we're taking it into account. That doesn't sound to me like he was taking PPE for social care that seriously. Uh, the following week, uh, I asked him a question in the House of Commons about testing for frontline staff. I said both in the NHS, but just as importantly, frontline social care workers. And he said, um, we, are get we will be getting testing for everybody as soon as possible. So those uh, those promises or those statements were made to me over a month ago and as you say we're only just starting to see action on on those areas now do you think care workers without the right equipment should go to work tomorrow well i don't think they should be having to make that kind of decision frankly they shouldn't be put in i that guess position. they are though aren't they that's the reality um, of, of where and, we are and, now. And, and and frankly no care worker or nhs worker or wants to have to turn around and say, no, I'm not going to give you care. But I, I, I appreciate and understand why they may choose not to. Um, and in fact, actually, um, just as this uh, sort of crisis was starting in the early days when, when we were still out and about, I went to visit a children's hospice in my constituency and it was raised with me then because uh, the, the hospice also provides care to a lot of children uh, with uh, complex conditions in their homes. 
Um, and it was raised with me there, the concerns about adequately preparing that part of the sector. And I've stayed in touch with the chief exec through this crisis. And he said to me uh, a couple of weeks ago, we have absolutely no PPE. And he said, I am not allowing any of my staff to go into homes where there may be suspected COVID because I don't have the equipment to protect them. Thank you for downloading this podcast. A reminder, you can listen to Talk Politics live every Sunday between 10 and 1 p.m.